Hello, my beautiful family. And once again, this is one of those messages. Go ahead and tell somebody. Like, you need to send them the link. Let them know we're on. And we're about to continue this World War Me series. And um, I'm just blown away by the feedback, all of your love, subscription, support. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. And I hope you guys are still rocking with me because last week was a little hot. <laughs> and tonight's going to be a little hotter than hot. So I hope that you are ready. And I love you guys so much. Go ahead and take a screenshot. Tag us. Let, you, let us know where you are in the world. And let's get to work on tonight. It is one of my favorite Bible stories. Um, but I'm not really reading the whole story because it's too long. I'm just reading just one snapshot of a scripture. Um, I've read it before, but I think it's going to be spiritually nutritious for the time that we have together on tonight. So if you would, let's go ahead and go to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. We're going to read just those few verses. It says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we freely ate in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up, and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes, our claws of concern, and where we're going to unpack and come for your life takes residence in two verses, verses 5 and 6. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, but now our whole being is dried up, and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. God, would you perform surgery on the night? Help us, O oh Lord, to fully detox from Egypt. And let us not romanticize the memory, but forget the hangover. You brought us out for a reason, and we're praying that you give us the warfare strategy to be free. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees to that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. We remember the fish which we freely ate in Egypt. We remember the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up, for we have nothing except this manna before our eyes. Church family, what do you do when you have a promised land address but you have an Egypt appetite. Yeah, what do you do when you have a promised land address, but you have an Egypt appetite? I hope you guys are ready on tonight. Maybe the reason our lust has not let us go is because, yes, our location has changed. Meaning I'm saved. My eternal location has changed. I'm going to heaven when I die one day. I'm going to see God and there's no need for the moon, no need for the stars because his glory fills the temple. Maybe the reason our lust has such a grip on us is because our location has changed, but our craving has not. Our craving has not. So in other words, I came out, but I still like that. Can we talk? I came out, but I still like those meals. Yes, I'm out. 
but I still like my women like that. Yes, yes, I'm out, but I still like my men like that. It's just something about a man that has muscular biceps, a six-pack, and his beard game is on fleek. I still like it, Lord. I still like it. There's so much preaching that tells you not to like it, but what if I do? Yeah, I came out, and I'm still single. I came out, but I still like my vibrator. Yeah, what's wrong with masturbation? What's wrong with pornography? And is it possible, Jay, for me to have a promised land address, but for me to still maintain my Egypt appetite? And I just feel it's necessary due to all the DMs, do all the comments, I saw them, and due to all the questions, I think I will be underserving you if we were just to continue on in this World War Me series without addressing some of your questions, comments, and concerns. So we're going to do on tonight for part five of this World War uh, Me series, we're going to deal with War on Lust, part two. War on Lust, part two. <laughs> I actually should call this War on Lust, the remix. <laughs> It should be War on Lust, the remix. You know why? Because I think for a lot of us, that's the problem. I think for a lot of us, that's the struggle we want to mix. Uh-oh. Here we go. We, we want to mix. I want a little bit of my way, and can I mix that with God's way? I, I want my will, but is it possible for me to mix that with God's will? I want to traffic in mixture. I want to live a lifestyle of contrast. I don't want to be all the way in the light. But then don't do me like that. Don't put me all the way in the dark. I'm cool with living a lifestyle that's 50 shades of gray. <laughs> I'm cool with living in the gray. Mixture. And I wonder, could this be the reason why we keep ending up in scenarios, situations, and seasons, and even relationships where we keep getting mixed signals? Y'all miss what I just said. We love a lifestyle of mixture. And could this be the reason why a lot of our situations, scenarios, and seasons, even relationships, keep giving us mixed signals? Because listen, you could be a whole package. Can I get somebody to drop the comment, the whole one? Yeah, you could be a whole package. But if you live a lifestyle of mixture, you could be a whole package, but you're going to keep ending up at wrong addresses. And if you end up at a wrong address, the receiver is going to mishandle you. The, the receiver is going to mishandle you because when you are a whole package and you end up at the wrong address, the receiver is going to mishandle you because you were never theirs to begin with. Trying to help somebody on tonight, trying to help somebody, it's those wrong places that we keep ending up in. And I'm not going to front, yes, they hurt. A lot of us went through some stuff, but what I want our generation and generations before us and after us to do, stop measuring your strength by how much pain you can endure. A lot of us think strength is measured by how much pain we can endure. I understand now that strength is measured by how much you can surrender. How much you can surrender your will. How much you could surrender your desires. How much you could surrender your appetite. Now, not how much pain you can endure. All that's going to do is give you the ingredients necessary to have a bitter appetite and a bitter heart. And the way 2020 set up, while you washing everything and sanitizing everything down and wiping everything and cleansing everything, why don't we go ahead and wipe away that unforgiveness and wipe away that bitterness because that's a virus too. <laughs> that's a virus too. Let's go ahead and sanitize that. Is that all right if we do that? Let's sanitize that. What I'm trying to get us to understand 
The only way we could be free from the grips of lust, the only way we could truly have freedom is number one, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen on willpower. It's going to happen on his power. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then number two, I'm going to have to detox. I'm going to have to detox. See, we don't get fireman emoji right there, right? We don't get like the running man emoji right there. I'm trying to tell you the truth. If you want to be free from this, it's going to take the power of God. And it's going to take for us to understand, I need a detox. I need a purge. But guess what? God loves you so much and God loves me so much that he helps us detox by placing us in the wilderness. I don't know if I'm going to get an amen right there. But the way God loves you and the way God loves me, he says, you know what? I want to help them detox from Egypt. So what I'm going to do is place them in a wilderness. Can I get somebody to say wilderness? I want you to understand this. I got these three heads up here, okay? This head right here is going to be symbolic of Egypt. This head is going to be symbolic of the wilderness. And this head is going to be symbolic of the promise, the promised land, okay? So we, we, we have to understand this. Egypt is when we were slaves, lost, sinners, have not come into the knowledge of truth. We do not know the beauty of the gospel, okay? This is when we're slaves. And a lot of times what churches do is they try to preach against what you did in Egypt Without trying to get, without you understanding that, yes, I was here, but I'm no longer here. I'm there. I'm right here in the wilderness, and God is helping me cleanse of all the stuff that happened here. Okay? Is this making sense? So, look, it, it was in Egypt that you got introduced to pornography. The molestation happened here. The, the increase of lust happened here. The orgies happened here. The weed happened here. Okay? The fornication happened here. The partner after partner happened here. The club scene happened here. The adultery happened here. Okay, we being real. All of this stuff, the alcoholism happened here. Making the wrong choices happened here. Lying and being a side chick happened here. All of this activity happened right here. And so this is what God does. He says, okay, all right, you want me to save you? You want me to be your Lord and Savior? Cool. So what we're going to do is I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and I'm now going to place you in the wilderness. I'm not going to place you in the promise. See, so many of us want to go from here to here. <laughs> Just skip this phase. God, all right, save me, immediately bless me. Save me, give me the husband. Save me, give me the ministry. Save me, give me the platform. And God's like, no, I'm going to place you in a season where I could detox you from everything that happened right here. I got to address all of this stuff right here. See, this changes. This changes the narrative because it's not that I'm preaching against what you did. It's not God judging you for the things that you still like. It's not that he's holding all of these appetites, these cravings, and these intense desires against you. He's saying, I understand that they happen. They happen right here, but we're not taking this here. We're not taking this here. So you could be like the first generation of the Israelites. Keep fighting me as I try to detox you and you could die at this phase. Or you can allow me to purge you while you're right here. Address all your lusts while you're right here. Address all of your appetites while you're right here. I'm not punishing you. You're in the wilderness. 
Y'all ready for this on the night? You're in the wilderness, and God is dealing with it. See, when I was speaking about um, on Sunday, when I was speaking about, listen, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, Paul says, give no place. Give no place to the enemy. No open door. Not even a foothold. Not even a foothold. And we broke down what a foothold is. You got to imagine somebody's running behind you. You run into a room, you shut the door, but their foot's at the bottom of the door, and you can't fully close it. That's a foothold. Let me also tell you what a foothold is. A foothold is any area in our life where the wilderness is supposed to purge, but you're trying to hold on and defend. Oh, man, I feel like that hit somebody. Yeah. The, the, a foothold is when God is like, okay, let me take this out, and you're like, no, God, I like that. Keep that right there. <laughs> it, it was formed over here in Egypt, and God's like, okay, I understand that this happened here, and I'm trying to take it out, but you're like, no, God, I like that. I like that, so don't, don't mess with that. That is something that formed here that the enemy is going to try to use while you're here to hopefully take you right back here. Are y'all getting this? So, listen, it's, it's not necessarily about the act. And I was saying, okay, God, help me break this down to the lowest common denominator where my generation could understand it. And I feel as though he gave me, this, gave me this example. He says, okay, it's not about the act. It's about the act being an usher. Yeah. It's about the act being an usher. You know what an usher does? An usher is somebody who directs you where to sit. Okay, so before COVID, in the sanctuary, we had people called ushers. We had people at the door, they were greeters, and we have ushers. They're saying, hey, come this way. This is where you can sit. You buy tickets, and there's no pre-designed you know, uh, and predestined seats for you to sit at. They're like, okay, come right here. This is, what I want. this is where you can sit at. So we have to view certain activities as ushers. So you being over her house... Or him being over your house at 3.30 in the morning and you keep keying in his face. Everything is keep, 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 Every, you keep, keep, keep keying in his face. You being over his apartment laughing is not sin. It's not a sin. But is it an usher? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. It could usher in an atmosphere that allows you to engage in sexual immorality. It is an atmosphere that could usher you into being sexually immoral. It is an atmosphere that is not conducive for what you're trying to do. And on top of that, the word of God says, give no provisions to the flesh. No provisions to the flesh. And then on top of that, to add insult to injury, the word of God says, listen, flee the very appearance of evil. If it just looks like y'all were doing something, if it just looked like y'all were bumping and grinding, if it was just looking like y'all were probably getting y'all swirl on, don't even do it. There's somebody in your community that you're trying to reach, and every time she sees that man leave your house at four in the morning, it contradicts your witness. It causes for her to question, do you really believe what you profess? Is it an usher? Is it an usher? Like one of the comments was saying, I don't believe it's a sin to own a condom. You're right, bro. You are absolutely right. You can go to the store and purchase a condom, and it is not sin, but you best believe it's an usher. It's an usher. And if we be real, why are we purchasing the condom in the first place? See, everybody wants to be real until the preacher is real back. Why are we purchasing the condom in the first place? 
Are you going to purchase the condom? Wow, this is a really nice Trojan. And the way that they did this logo and the, the way that they did this, this color, I just, I'm just impressed with just the condom material. No. This is a just-in-case backup. Can y'all be real with me? Why y'all looking at me like that? Why y'all looking at me like that? This is, I'm trying, this is a just-in-case backup. Just in case Shorty's down with it, we can go down. Just in case she's down with doing this, I'm with it. Just in case. Just in case. This is why when you purchased it, you felt something. See, you cannot say I'm an effective follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't remind you that this is Egypt behavior. You felt something when you purchased it. <laughs> you felt something that is in your wallet right now. You're probably sweating like me now that I'm addressing it. <laughs> why, did you, why did you buy the condom in the first place? And ladies, don't y'all amen too much. Don't y'all amen too much because some of us, you are deliberately making sure everything is clean and prepared underneath your clothes. You make sure that you have that sexy bra and panties on just in case. Y'all don't want to talk to me on the night. Y'all don't want to talk to me on the night. You have a just in case we get undressed, he could see I'm matching. And then some of those, uh-uh, I match all the time. Okay, that's cool if you do that. But I'm talking about those that are intentional. I'm intentionally wearing the most sexy bra and the most sexy panties that I could have just in case I happen to get undressed. Y'all want the real, right? <laughs> Y'all want the real. This is a just in case backup. I'm trying to be sexy. You do understand that sexy by definition means to awaken, arouse, or draw one's sexual appetite. You do understand it, right? That's not the character of a kingdom woman. Now, if you marry, you could draw anything up in this husband. You, you could wake, listen, wake everything up on that man. Wake everything up, have him be as aroused as he want to be because it's blessed in the covenant. Listen, let me tell y'all something. That sex hits different when it's guilt-free. Ooh, y'all don't want to talk. When you don't have to repent afterwards, that sex hit different. Kingdom sex is the best type of sex. You don't have to worry about nothing. If she gets pregnant, well, she's my wife. There's just a different level of freedom you have when you have kingdom sex. And some of us, you don't even know what I'm talking about because you never did it. I'm telling you, it hits different when there's no guilt afterwards. <laughs> it hits different when you're not crying afterwards. It's God's way. It's God's way. And so I, I'm not trying to arouse, awaken anything in my brothers. Because when he comes around me, he should have to deal with his own hormones. I shouldn't allow me to cause him to be in a war zone. Because sexy by definition is to draw, awaken. And I'm trying to get this brother's sex, sexual appetite. Y'all said y'all wanted real, right? I'm trying to give you real. A lot of us have a just in case backup. So when it comes to masturbation, if we be honest, masturbation nearly is always married to lustful thoughts. Always married to lustful thoughts. So here are three questions that I want you to ask yourself, okay? Three questions that I want you to ask yourself that I believe that could help you. First thing is, was it formed in Egypt? This activity, whatever it is, was it formed in Egypt, introduced to me in Egypt? Before I really knew the beauty of the gospel, before I really, really had a chance to hear things like World War Me series, is it something that was formed in Egypt and it caused for me to like it, and now I'm over in the wilderness trying to defend why I can't keep it? It's the first question. Was it formed in Egypt? Okay. The second question I want us to ask ourselves is, is it an usher? 
Does it lead and where? <laughs> is it an usher and does it lead? And if it does, where? Okay, me going over here, four in the morning with her, is that possibly going to lead somewhere? Yes, it is. So I probably should avoid it, okay? You being in the back seat with that married man, y'all just talking on your lunch break, could this possibly lead somewhere? Yes, it can. So I'm going to avoid it. Okay, and then if you're like, okay, I'm good at one. All right, two was kind of close, but I'm good. I'm going to hit you with the third one. Does it give God glory? Okay, First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Let me move over here just in case I'm in the way to TV. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Can you masturbate and to give God glory? Can you be sitting there pleasing yourself with your vibrator and you're thinking about how awesome, how magnificent, how wonderful, how sanctifying, and how redeeming our God is? Can you reach an orgasm by thinking about how great our God is? Does it give God glory? And if all of these, no, 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 this is an activity that I need a detox from. Need a detox from. I can't wait to see y'all comments on that. I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me. Because Jesus used to just say stuff like, okay, he without sin cast the first stone. Like, all right, bro. You got this one, bro. <laughs> Does it give God glory? If it doesn't make God look good, it doesn't please his heart. To the best of my capability, God detox me from it. Because, because I want to give you glory. Because I want to exalt you. Because I want you magnified. And so we have to understand the place that we end up is not due to how we desire. The place we end up is due to how we crave. Which, which is why a lot of us are in this tug of war, this, this back and forth, this struggle with trying to end it and trying to break free from it and trying not to go back to it and trying to separate ourselves from it. It's because we have yet to understand that the problem is not the problem. The problem is not the problem. I was breaking, that, breaking this down all at the end of 2019. The problem is not the problem. It's our appetite. It's our craving. It's what we desire, which is why when you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to change. I'm going to let this go. I'm going to back up. This time, I'm for real. I'm for real. Y'all ever been there like, I'm for real. I'm for real, for real. We keep on giving in to the intense craving, which causes for us to remember the fish the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Because you cannot have former cravings and embrace fresh manna. This is why it's hard for me to engage in the things that give God glory. Because I can't continue to consume Egypt cravings and then also want to eat fresh manna. And so what happens is we end up getting frustrated, throw our hands up, feel powerless to change. Feel like I can't overcome this. I have all these secret addictions, these secret struggles, my silent screams, and I want to be free, but it's like the window of freedom is forever closing with each passing day. And I came here on a night to let you know, listen, the problem is not the problem. It's our appetite. And the enemy knows this. He knows, like, okay, their location has changed, but their taste buds haven't. 
Their location has changed, but their taste buds haven't. See, when you come, come out of a thing due to the repercussions versus reprogramming, speak Holy Spirit. Whenever you come out of a thing due to the repercussions versus reprogramming, the enemy can always tempt you with Egypt meals. He could always tempt you with Egypt meals because you came out, but you never really got out. Ah, He could always tempt us with Egypt meals. It's one thing to know the problem. It's another thing to know the origin of the problem. He knows, yeah, you got out, but you never came out. Like, you got out, you left that church. Do the church hurt, but the hurt never left you. So now you don't do church. (laughs) You got out. You never really came out. You, you, you ended that relationship. You had a divorce. The relationship's over. You left. But your heart never did. Your heart never did. And just like the enemy sends people, God sends people too. And so we'll say stuff like, man, do the what? I, I'm never going through that again. I'm never experiencing that again. I'm never going back. And so now when God sends somebody in your life, to possibly help you take some things out that were introduced to you in Egypt, anytime somebody new comes, we immediately arrest them as a potential offender because I'm not going to feel that pain again. Because you got out, but you never came out. Like, you're an adult now. you good and grown, like paying bills. you like grown, grown. <laughs> you good and grown. You transition from childhood to an adult But what happened in childhood, you never could let stay in childhood. The therapy never happened. The counseling never happened. The hard conversations with your mother never happened. Some of us want to have closure with some people. You're never going to get it with them. The only closure that you're going to have is I forgive you. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The hard conversations were never had. And now I'm a full-grown adult walking across the stage receiving my Ph.D. in suffering and silence. Because I think strength is about how much I could endure versus how much I could surrender. You got out, but you never came out. And so I'm trying to help somebody on the night to recognize that the Lord wants us to be free, totally free. And the way he helps us be free is he has to put you in a wilderness. He has to. What if I told you that the wilderness is not negative? It's necessary. What if I told you that this is the process, Egypt wilderness promise? What if I told you the reason that you're in the wilderness is because you're about to step into a promise? But if you don't allow God to purge you of all of this stuff that happened in Egypt and take it out and have all this stuff stay where it formed at, you'll never experience this. You'll never experience the promise. The wilderness is necessary. I'm going to give you Bible to show you this. Look at this. Exodus chapter 13. I hope this is good for you. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. It says, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Somebody say shortcut. Although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people. Wait, did I read that right? No, I said, so the devil led the people. No, so, so their mistakes led the people. So their flaws. So God led the people 
around by the way of the wilderness. Hmm, this is intentional. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Three things we could uh, just take away from this. Number one, God does not take shortcuts. <laughs> There's no wisdom. There's no wisdom in the shortcut. God doesn't take shortcuts. He likes to take us the scenic route. How many times do I have to say it? God does not microwave. He crockpots. <laughs> God wants to make sure there's some stuff that sets in. There's some character that sets in. He's like, look, we're not going the fast route. Even though that's closer, I'm taking you the scenic route because I know that I have to get a lot of stuff out of you. I know there's a lot of stuff I have to purge from your heart. I'm going to have to take you the way of the wilderness. God doesn't do shortcuts. Number two, God knows what you're ready for. God knows what you're ready for. The Bible says that they came out in orderly ranks. I'm thinking these boys are probably ready. Like, yeah, we're ready. God's like, listen, you're not ready to fight? <laughs> you're not ready for no war? You're not ready for a platform yet? You're not ready for that position yet. It's not that you won't eventually be there, but, but there's still a lot of stuff that happened that we have to deal with. There's still a lot of things from Egypt in your mindset, the things that you like, the things that you crave. A lot of that stuff is still in you. We're, we're, we're not ready to go there yet. I'm going to take you there. That's why I have you here. I need to say that again. I'm going to take you there. That's why I have you here. God doesn't take shortcuts. God does not take shortcuts, and then God makes sure that he knows what we're ready for. And number three, the wilderness is on purpose. It's on purpose. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. It's on purpose. Look at this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards... He was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. I want you to look at this. Look at this. It's showing us how the devil attacks. The first thing the devil attacked was his identity. First thing, if you are the son of God, why did he attack his identity? Because if you don't know who you are, you'll eat the wrong meals. Woo. If you don't know who you are, you'll eat the wrong meals. I'm going to prove it. Have you ever looked back at an ex and you were like, what in the whole Holy Ghost? What in the world was I drinking, smoking? They not even that cute. Why was I crying over them? <laughs> because when you don't know who you are, <laughs> when you don't know who you are, it'll cause you to entertain the wrong meals. So that's how the devil attacks. I'm going to attack your identity. Because I want to see, do you know who you are? Because if you don't know who you are, you'll think that your loneliness means that this guy really wants you, but you're really just trying to find a cure for your loneliness. I, I want you to see, family, that God is saying, listen, I'm, I'm trying to address. I'm trying to address right here in the wilderness. The purpose of the wilderness is God saying, I don't want you to look to Pharaoh anymore. You look to Pharaoh too long. Metaphorically, I don't want you looking to culture. I don't want you looking to BET. 
I don't want you to look into society. I don't want you to look at how they do marriage. I want it to be kingdom. I want you to look to things this way. Stop reminiscing about the fish that you had in Egypt. You want meat? What God did is he flew in quails. I'm trying to teach you that I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You don't need them anymore. They don't supply you anymore. That umbilical cord has been cut. I'm trying to show you, you want bread? This is this manna. I'm raining it down from heaven because I want you to know that I'm truly the bread of heaven. I'm truly your living bread. You thirsty, I'm going to provide water from a rock to show you that I am your living water. God is trying to rewire them. And somebody may be watching this message like, I understand, Jay. I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if I have the patience for that. And then my rebuttal to you would be, if God was patient with us during our rebellion, why can't we be patient with him during our renewal? He's saying, listen, I'm trying to address everything. I'm trying to address everything that you went through. I know a lot of times you heard sermons making you feel bad. Y'all shouldn't be doing this. Y'all shouldn't be doing that. God is like, okay, this is all you've known. So now let me place you in a season where I could deal with you living with somebody that you're not married to. Uh Uh-oh. Let let me me deal with your mouth that you cursing everybody out. Let, Let me deal with your playlist that keeps activating your sinful nature. Let me deal with everything that you're holding on against your mother and against your father. Let me deal with your anger. Let me deal with your jealousy. Let me deal with it. I'm not punishing you. I'm purging you. The wilderness is to purge nouns. People, places, things. I'm purging you of nouns. There's a lot of stuff here that you got from here that you can't take here. And so the warfare is allowing God to detox us, allowing God to purge us so that there's no residue of Egypt on my life. This is why I believe the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. When God cracked that Red Sea, the Bible says they walked through on dry ground. That's supposed to be mud. But I believe God is saying no residue. No, no, no residue. Nothing of your former life. You're going to come out without smelling like smoke. There's not going to be any Egypt on you. No residue. Because I'm taking you over into a new land. So I'm going to give you a warfare strategy. Number one, how do we deal with horny nights? I said that. How do you deal with horny nights? <laughs> How often have you heard this preach from the pulpit? <laughs> How do you deal with horny nights? When your flesh is on one, it's on fire. Fire. I mean, you're just burning. What do you do? I'm going to give you some basic instruction. Work out. Seriously, like, go run three miles. For real, like, <laughs> you watching this message? Do some planks. It's nighttime, 2 in the morning. Do um, planks. Let's do 60 seconds and let's do 10 planks. Let's do some sit-ups, push-ups, lunges. Let's, Let's work out. Sometimes we're looking for spiritual remedies when it's just a practical solution. And I believe a lot of us are looking for miracles when it just takes mechanics. Exhaust your flesh. And then on top of that, who can you call to get you off the wall? Who can you call to help you? Who can you call and say, hey, man, this is how I'm feeling right now. He said, ah, bro, let me pray for you right quick. You want to come play 2K? Who can you call? What girlfriend can you call to help you in the moments of when your flesh is on fire? I know it may be awkward right now, but I believe the church should talk about this more because there are a lot of people in the pulpit, sometimes even singing in the choir, that are struggling with horny nights, and all you've been told is, don't you do nothing. You're going to (laughs) burn. 
but I'm trying to give you strategies. Work out. Work out. Exhaust your flesh. Have an accountability partner. Of course, pray. Of course, listen to World War Me series. Turn me back on. <laughs> listen to other sermons that help you, but also exhaust your flesh. Present your body to God as a living sacrifice. And if it's a sacrifice for you to get up right now and go run two miles, great. At least, I know me personally, in college, when I worked out, I never ran three miles. And then after I was finished, I was like, whew, I sure am horny. Whew, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the night. I'm tired. I need an ice bath. I'm done. I literally did this. In the dorm, flesh on fire, went to the rec center, played basketball. Sometimes being alone is terrain to allow the enemy to get stronger in this atmosphere. Number two. How do I really engage in sexual purity? My wife and I talked about this in the Try Me series about so fresh and so clean, clean. I wanted us to understand that purity is not just not having sex, okay? But the number one way to really help us to be pure is to observe which one you're feeding. Are you feeding your flesh more or your spirit more? Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. And so now you got to take observation on which one am I feeding due to my music? Is my music feeding my lust? Is this TV show feeding my lust? If it is, it's going to be harder for me to be sexually pure. Because remember, I'm in the wilderness to detox from Egypt. Purity. Purity. Number three, triggers. Triggers and switches. This greatly merges with um, our first point of just being able to identify horny nights, and then also a second point of sexual purity. What are your triggers? And do you have any triggers in your phone? If so, I might not need to save that contact. Y'all missed that. What are your switches? Is it somebody you follow on IG? And whoever you scroll past, and whenever you look past this, it triggers something. And to the best of your capability, this may be an assignment for you. Identify 10 of your triggers. Identify things that immediately make you want to go back to Egypt. Identify things that make you stumble. Triggers. I want to give you two scriptures right quick. First, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and 5, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Look at this. Not in passionate lust like the pagan, wow, who do not know God. Hmm. God is saying, listen, self-control. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through what? Our knowledge of him who called us to be his own glory and goodness. God said, listen, I'm giving you the tools necessary. I'm placing you in a wilderness to detox you, and I need you to understand that self-control is needed for this level that I'm about to take you to, okay? How do I defeat pornography? Warfare strategies for porn. Number one, watch your consumption. Whatever you eat in private, you will wear in public. I need to say that again. Whatever you eat in private, you will wear in public. And a lot of us appear to be so great in public, but we're losing and miserable in private. 
okay? So we have to watch our consumption. I dealt with this whole Sunday. Stuff was bothering me. So I had to stop watching TV for a while because some commercials would mess me up, okay? Watch my consumption. And then, number two, intensify your spiritual consumption. So I'm not just going to remove it, but I'm going to remove it and replace it. That's the methodology of God. He wanted to remove sin off of us, so he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He wanted to remove it, so he became it. If I remove it, I got to replace it. Watch your consumption. Intensify your spiritual consumption. Prayer, community, sermons, worship, and also naturally working out. Do not live a life of idleness, okay? Um, Third, reflect on God's promises, not worldly pleasures. God's promises. It's not about a don't do list. Those don't work. I'll be the first one to tell you they don't work. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's about fighting for joy. Fighting for joy. There's a certain level of joy you feel. I didn't watch porn today. My only competition is who I was yesterday. I didn't watch porn today. I I didn't get high today. I didn't drink today. I'm fighting for that joy of knowing today the grips of bondage didn't really hold me today. You fight for joy. Not a list of do's and don'ts. They will always fail you. You fight for joy. God, help me purge from this. Number four, Jesus didn't die so that you could be a side chick. I know it's heavy, but I'm just trying to give you truth. Jesus didn't die so that you could just be an appetizer. You're going to be a full course meal. And anytime you're okay with being half treated, half treated, we got to deal with our insecurities and our esteem. You're not called to be a side chick. If marriage is for you, you're going to be somebody's first lady. I'm not talking about presidential or preaching. I'm just you this man's first love. You're his lady. After Christ, you're his first love. God is saying, listen, I don't want you to give in to things. And I don't want you to be cool with being lukewarm. Present your body to me, a living sacrifice. Understand this. If my body is God's property, anybody who I let touch it is trespassing. Because I'm not mine. Last one. Most people don't address it, but I'm going to try to address it in the most loving way I can. Same-sex attraction. A lot of people say, you know what, I feel like I was born like this. You're probably right. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You know what this means? You could lean towards any sin under the sun. It could be murder. It could be rage. Any sin under the sun. But it is the order of God for us to be fruitful and to multiply. Seed with seed cannot multiply. Womb with womb cannot multiply. Okay? So the word of God puts it this way. It says, all right, in um, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, it says, For this reason, a man, somebody say man, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his what? Wife. Okay? A man is not a wife. Okay? United to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh therefore what God has joined together let no man separate and I think the scripture to drive it home first Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived 
neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor those who practice homosexuality. In some translation, it says, nor men who have sex with men. It's about man, period. Okay? So this is all I'm trying to get us to see, and I'm done. When it comes to the war on lust, there are things that happen in Egypt. God places you in the wilderness to purge you from Egypt. And after he could purge you from Egypt, he's going to position you in a promise. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I want to live a life where I experience the promises of God. And the reason a lot of us are not experiencing the promises the Bible speaks about is because we're not being the Christ followers the Bible tells us to be. Everybody wants kingdom until it's time to apply kingdom principles. Everybody's cool with Jesus until we have to study the teachings of Jesus. No application, no transformation. A lot of information, but if we don't put it in application, we'll never experience the transformation. God, help us to detox. Purge us, O oh God, from everything that formed in our life from Egypt, everything that we were attracted to in Egypt. Understand, God, many times the struggle is real, but we're asking that you give us the wisdom, that you give us the instruction, that you convict us, you encourage us. Help us to be able to understand that whom the Son has set free is free indeed, and we want freedom. Down on that cross, O oh God, your blood covered us from our sin. But now, God, we have to deal with our appetites. Change our cravings. Change our desires so that we can make much of you. It's not about legalism. It's due to the fact that you called me to carry something and to represent you. I'm built for this, and I'll represent you well. Thank you for your love, your patience as I become. In Jesus' name, amen.